This podcast is brought to you by Hound. Hound comments on style violations and GitHub pull requests, allowing you and your team to better review and maintain a clean code base. Try it now at houndci.com. Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast. My name is Ben Orenstein, and I'm here today with Derek Fryer. Hey, Derek. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Great. Why don't we start by talking about code review, because you have been doing the circuit. How many times have you given your code review talk now? Three or four, I think. Three or four. But like, in reality, I don't know, a thousand. Right, yeah. Uh, in the run-up and the preparation to giving it at RailsConf, which was the first time I'd given it. Mm-hmm. And also the first time I'd given really any talk outside of like a lightning talk at the Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't realize that was your, like, your big debut. Yeah, that was it. How uh, nervous were you on a scale of one to ten? Um, more nervous leading up to it than the day of it, actually. Oh, like, because I had, I felt like I had done so much preparation that like I knew what I wanted to say, and then it just felt silly to be nervous about it. I was like, well, I've said this a million times. Yeah. I mean, that said, while I was going through it at RailsConf, like everything that was going through my head was like, oh, I don't forget to say this. This is this was good when you were like, when I was doing my practice. I was like, oh, that was a really good way I said that. Try and remember to say it exactly that way. Totally. Um, so I was a little nervous about missing those marks. And mm-hmm. then as it went on, I was like, this seems to be going well. Don't screw it up. <laughs> that's all that just kept going through my head until I got to the questions. And then finally, I got to questions. So I was like, oh. you got to watch that negative self-talk. Yeah. That's the dangerous <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Careful what you tell yourself. But it was it was fun. Um, I had practiced a bunch. And then I had gave it at um, Boston Ruby. I gave it at CTO school here in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be giving it supposedly at Austin on Rails at the end of June. Cool. Um, a couple other people I've submitted to a couple other talk, a couple other conferences. Um, I didn't expect to enjoy speaking as much as I did. I did it kind of like, I want to try this and push myself. Mm-hmm. And I very much enjoyed it and the feedback that you get from it. It's really, yeah, it's, really it's pretty nice. I, I've, I found that people don't seem to go on Twitter and say nasty things about talks. They usually only say something <laughs> if they thought it was good. Right. So like go and check the, the tweet stream afterwards. It's like, nice job, great talk. Blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right. Yeah, it was great. Like I got out of there, went, I, like people asked me questions right up to the end, which was fantastic. I thought nobody was going to ask any questions. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was prepared. I'd you know watched your talk on giving talks to developers. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned like, oh, just sit and wait. Somebody will ask a question. And I was like, okay, I'm going to say any questions and I'm going to wait. And then like 10 hands shot up. And I was like, oh, fantastic. This is mm-hmm. going to be great. Yeah. And answering, did you say any questions? Um, I just said, I said, let's have some questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said the right thing at least. Yeah. You didn't believe but it. I said it very uh, unconfidently. Like, Please, <laughs> let's have some questions. Yeah. So I did take that note, but then I screwed it up. But yeah. I, I really liked getting to the question. Pe- I guess talking to a lot of other speakers, the questions make them nervous and doesn't. Oh, interesting. Make, it doesn't make me nervous. Oh, I like, love the questions. Because it's just like, well, I can talk to you about whatever and you are interested in what you're asking me about. So great. I don't have to. It's not. It's no longer me guessing about what you might be interested in hearing. Yeah. My favorite thing in talks is actually questions during them. Like I, I, I try to I tell people almost straight up to heckle me because like I just enjoy that like interaction during the talk. I don't think I could have handled that. Maybe eventually I'd be able to handle it. Like somebody did ask me a question when I gave it at CTO school. Somebody asked in the middle and that was totally fine. Uh-huh. But um, that was like the third time I'd given it publicly and like the millionth time I'd given it. And that talk actually, people seemed to like that one as well, but it was my least favorite. And I think it was because I had gotten to the point where I was like, I am doing this too much. And Oh, interesting. Like, you were like kind of sick of it by then? Yeah. That? And like huh. I had sick of saying, like I had gotten to the point where I knew how I wanted to say things and like just started changing it because I was like, <laughs> I'm sick of saying it this way. What if I say it this way? That's interesting. And then I would kind of lose the thread of what I was supposed to say next. And huh. So uh, in my head, I think it's very mapped out. And when I made small changes, it didn't it didn't work out as well. But um, people s- still seem to really like it. Talk to me afterwards, ask good questions. So 
I really like the like fourth or fifth time I give a talk. That's like when I feel like it really gets good. For me, at least, there's nothing that really compares to the feedback and experience of giving it live and seeing what actually works with an audience and what things got a laugh and what things seemed confusing or too long or too short. Um, practicing it just doesn't seem to give me that same information. And so like, I kind of just have to give it live a few times. And then for me, I always keep notes after I give a talk. Like I'll immediately after the talk, sit down and be like, okay, what did I want to change based on what just happened? And then when I give it again, I'll, as I'm prepping it for the second, the next time I'll, I'll work those things in there. And I feel like it makes such a huge difference. Like the, it just doesn't compare the third or fourth time is way better than the first time. And I haven't found a way to short circuit that. Yeah. So I, far. I should probably take that advice of like writing things down. Cause I know there were things immediately that I was like, Oh, that was rough. I should make a note and fix that. And then mm-hmm. I just don't, or like, I forget about like when I gave it at, at Boston RB, which is thankfully recorded and i can go and watch it again like i remember a couple times being like whoa that where did that come from that was better like <laughs> right you just invented stuff on the fly right i didn't write that down so i've forgotten it i guess i gotta go back and listen to it be like oh that was that was actually better than what i did before it's interesting i feel like there are a couple different schools of thought for how to give talks like i think some people when i watch them it seems like they have prepared everything they're going to say and it's basically there's a script basically they've probably written out an actual script and practiced it and they mm-hmm. deliver it like a play monologue kind of thing and then other people are working sort of from high level notes and kind of improvising on the fly and for i'm, a, I'm much more of the latter type and i tend I'll, some, I'll sometimes write down things i want to say if i say them really well in practice like you were mentioning before like if i find a good way to say something like, oh yeah i should make sure to use that metaphor that's really good or like if i stumble upon like a decent joke i'll sometimes write that in there and i like that because and i guess that just fits better for me and it lets me take questions during and like kind of be heckled and enjoy that because i'm not really i'm not going to get interrupted from a script exactly i'm kind of getting interrupted from a loose collection of ideas but i know that some people are much more they want to say every word they want to have that practice down perfectly i started by writing a script yeah that's what i did i wrote uh i had an outline in omni outliner and went through and like had links to different material good do you like that program no i had a license for it it's not necessary because i use omni focus and i really like that i mean it was nice because i could just like drag in links drag in pdfs that were like because i cited a couple papers in my talk and like i could just drag in the pdf and be like i could probably pull a quote from here if i need to citing papers like yeah science uh or a paper anyway i think i ended up cutting a couple things um but so i started with that and then i moved it into slides and i kept basically the entire outline as my presenter notes and uh-huh. i was doing the presentation for my wife who is her last job was like director of hr and training at a company she now uh, takes care of our children very i'm very thankful for that mm-hmm. but she gives a lot of presentations and also presents on like how to be a presenter better presenter and mm-hmm. things like that so she was really a good um audience to give my talk to a lot mm-hmm. and i was giving it to her the first couple of times and she's like why are you just staring at your screen let me see your, <laughs> let me see your screen so i turn it around and she's like what is on there yeah. like of course you're going to be reading like reading directly off this and that's fine if that's what you, like sometimes reading is just what you have to do to get through it like if you're so nervous that right. maybe just reading off the screen will be fine because you'll get the material across i mm-hmm. guess yep um but so she worked with me over the span of about a week or two to get it down to like okay just bullet points and then i still had a ton of bullet points and then she was like okay just three bullet points max per slide yep. and then by the end i had multiple slides that just have no bullet points at all because yep. i know where i am that's and awesome that's good her, advice i my my nervousness was like i'm gonna forget what it was i wanted to say here right uh-huh. and her counterpoint to that was nobody will know totally like <laughs> totally true nobody's gonna know if you forget and no one's gonna know the very first slide I forgot to say part of my intro because I was nervous. Yep. And I realized it on the third slide. And I was like, oh, I can just work it in right here. 
Right. And I just dropped it in and it was like, great. Nobody knows that I screwed that up. And like, even if I had forgotten it, no big deal. Like, the f- people, I think people have like sort of weird expectations about what an, a talk audience is going to be like and how they'll respond. I think if you pulled up a slide and you're like, um, I actually can't remember at all what I was going to say here. I went to the next slide. No one would care. Right. People I would just laugh. They would get a laugh and yeah. then you'd move on and they'd be like, whatever, next slide. It, like, as long as you don't seem stressed about it, no one is going to stress about it. If you seem stressed that you forgot, then, then it makes people uncomfortable. Right. Not that they're like you know upset with you, but I feel like your like, speakers' emotions sort of the audience resonates at that same frequency. Like if you seem upset and nervous, they're gonna like kind of feel uncomfortable too. Yeah, and there were times like where I would just like when I was first starting, I was doing a lot of ums and ah, uh, and then I was just like, just don't say anything. Like instead of saying um or ah, uh, just be quiet. It's so hard, and it'll come to you. It's so like, hard. I, for the first time, I saw a transcript of a podcast of this podcast <laughs> when I interviewed. Um, um, I interviewed uh, <laughs> Tom over at Genius, and they got the thing transcribed and put it up there. Right, so and, you could annotate it. Right, so you could annotate it. And then suddenly I realized I said like 400 times. I say like a lot. In every single – it was it was shocking and embarrassing. And now I'm a little self-conscious of, about it, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> now I'm super self-conscious. Um, <laughs> ah, it's tricky. Uh, so that was talking. That's speaking. I'm trying to do more. Oh, wait, of well, it. But yeah, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm interrupting you. Yeah, don't talk. <laughs> that, I'm trying to do more of it, trying to submit that same talk. And then also, like, I really loved the feeling afterwards of success, I guess. Like, yeah. I don't want to be patting my own back too much, but it went well. And like, like you said, you pull out Twitter after you, like, finish talking to people in the hallway and you're like, I have 35 mentions. This mm-hmm. is great. Nobody ever mentions me on Twitter. Um, like that was really great. And then walking around the conference, people say like people would eventually like every once in a while stop you and be like, hey, I really liked your talk. And I have this question that mm-hmm. like I want you to help me with a problem. How I'm cool having. is that? It's fantastic. Also, you've given this talk three times now. It's going to happen pretty soon that you'll become the code review guy. Yeah, it's already. I mean, it's it's come back to haunt me a couple times already because like I will be doing code reviews at my client project uh-huh. and they'll be like. Um, this isn't formatted in a question, which is like one of the things I harp on is like try and ask questions rather than making demands. Like, I mean, we can get to the content of the talk a little bit, but yeah, I did want to do that just uh, briefly. Yeah. I mean, so like one of the things I say is there are two main things I try to say, and that is like when you're preparing a change to be reviewed, make sure you give adequate context. Right. Mm-hmm. And I go into what I mean by adequate context, like multiple paragraphs is what I'm looking for. Like make it so I can read this change, know exactly why you're making the change, maybe learn a couple of technical things that you ran into along the way, mm-hmm. look at the change and be like, yep, that does this. And this is the best way I can think to do it as well. Great thumbs up or, you know, whatever my feedback is. Yeah. Big, bulky, effective commit, commit messages. Like yes, exactly. Paragraphs on paragraphs of why. Right. Exactly. Not what. And maybe even like, yeah, the what is the code. It's not particularly interesting. If you yep. just give me like pseudocode for what you ended up doing. Right. Like I'm smart enough to read the code. But what was going through your head when you were doing the change? And mm-hmm. like, maybe you are anticipating that I'm going to look at this change and be like, well, did you consider this other possibility? Mm-hmm. If you are, get out in front of that and tell me, like, I also tried this and didn't like it because of X, Y, and Z yep. or whatever. So um, Chris and I have been pretty aggressive about that on upcase commit messages. And it's it's so great to read back through, through the logs and see that. Like, it's just, it's it's great. I think it's such a good practice. Yep. It works out. I mean, it's fantastic. Like, it's so seldom do I get on a project and get something useful out of Git blame? Like, I'm like, right, oh, let me exactly. see Git blame. And it's like, uh, here's a link to a ticket. And I'm like, I don't have access to that ticket exactly. tracker anymore. No or one blames things to see, like, what is this change? They're right. Like, why did we put this here? Who right. put this here and why? Right. And so, like, you got to talk about the why. Right. So that was the first thing is, like, harping on making sure you tell me why. And the second thing was when you're reviewing a change, rather than being like, do this, do this other thing, why didn't you just do this? Like, Ask them a question instead. Be like, did you consider 
this. What do you think about using this pattern here? Mm -hmm. Do you think it would, you know, like engage in a com like try and engage in a conversation? And that comes down to having um, negativity bias and written communication, which is such a thing. Yeah. So um, in a pull request, if I give like a kind of commandy sounding thing in a pull request, it's very easy for that to come off super harsh. Yep. Um, and it's very dependent on your mood when you read it, how you're going to receive it. And that's yeah. true of spoken communication too, but I can get so much by with my tone and flexion um, when we're having a face-to-face -face conversation that you just don't get out of written communication. And that's um, just wanted everybody to be aware of that. Cause I, and that's the one where I screw up still like on my client project. And now that they know I've given this talk, it's like, Oh, the code review guy, yep. you, you're still screwing this up. I'm like, yeah, I know. I like, I've, I've set myself up for a lifetime of like, you're not mm -hmm. following your own advice. Cause it's hard. Like, I, like basically when I do a code review, I do like, I type the command that I want to type. And then before I hit commit or here, before I hit send or comment or whatever, I go back to the beginning of the line and rephrase it as a question. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's how I handle that. Mm -hmm. And I felt like going back to again to like the talking about giving a talk, like as I was formulating this, this, I was like, isn't this obvious? Mm. Like I'm saying, write down, tell me why you did something and be nice when you give feedback. Like, are people really going to sit through 40 minutes of this or 30, mm -hmm. 40 minutes of this? Mm -hmm. And it turns out, yes. And I think it's something everybody knows, but being reminded of it is powerful. Sandy Metz told me a thing that someone told her about talks in general, which is people like the story they know. Yeah. We were I, talking about, we were talking about repeating talks Yeah, and how like we were worried about it or whatever. And she's like, people like that story. They've already, like people will watch the movie they've already seen or reread a book they've already read and like they, and still enjoy it. Particularly if they can bring somebody else to it. Like, Hey, yeah. I already saw this. You're going to love it. Come with me, you two people. And like, totally. They're going to feel great because they, they've already seen a talk and they like it. And like, it's going to rub off on the people that they brought. So. Yeah. I, I had an interesting experience that was related to this where I saw a talk uh, that Nick Coranto gave um, that was an intro to TDD given to a group of college students. And I also presented this thing. And I literally didn't learn anything from the talk because it was like about the very, very basics of TDD, which I knew pretty well. But I still found it totally interesting and entertaining because his delivery was so entertaining. Mm -hmm. He had like a lot of really good gifts and just like a lot of good jokes and kept it really light and fast. And I really enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, I learned nothing. But I really enjoyed those 15 minutes. And that's when I like started to realize this thing, which is like talks are not exactly about learning. It's sort of performance art. Yep. And hopefully you learn something along the way. But you got to be interesting. Yeah, I spent a lot of time watching other people's talks and trying to decide like what my style was going to be. Yeah. I really did try to prepare a lot for this. <laughs> um, so I like watched a lot of your talks. I watched a lot of Sandy's talks. I watched other people's talks. And I found like multiple styles that I really liked, like the going fast and the gifts. And like, I was like, wow, that's so entertaining. And then I tried it a little bit and I was like, this isn't me. Like, yeah. So there's, you've got to find like the style that works for you. Like if you're not the kind of guy who can like rapid fire through 10 slides, then you're not that kind of person. And you can be a little more slow and deliberate. Like I feel like Sandy's talks have a lot of transitions and slides and things, but I do feel like her pace is a little more like measured. Mm -hmm. And that kind of lines up with how my brain works and how I want to go about giving a talk so i was like oh, i can model it after that a little bit yeah um, but she i talked to her at rails conference she was like yeah my my uh she said she has to hit the clicker like 491 times in her talk yeah like, I, I hit it like 50 times and i feel like that's too many yeah, yeah. But, it's, it's it's smart that you realized you needed to pick the thing that worked for you though right that's pretty crucial yeah i couldn't fake it and i, I figured it, even if i were just passable that's all i was really going for it's like <laughs> don't crash and burn just be passable so mm -hmm. um, but people liked it so you've exceeded Good. the passable bar <laughs> uh i want to talk about your podcast yeah i sure. listen to your podcast by the way i don't listen to very many podcasts but <laughs> i'm a bike shed listener okay i feel i feel blessed sean griffin and i who's a co-worker here at thoughtbot 
at RailsConf last year in 2014 talked about how we want to do more podcasts as ThoughtBot, like have more people doing podcasts, have a design podcast. Like we have Giant Robots, which is this show and it's fantastic, but it's like an interviewee type thing. And we were like, well, what if we just did a technical Rails and JavaScript podcast? Mm -hmm. And we were all gung-ho about that. We are like, yeah, we're going to do that. And then six months went by. We never did anything. And Chad actually brought the idea up again. Chad Pytel, mm -hmm. CEO here, brought the idea up again in Basecamp. Like, who would like to do this? And I jumped back on it. Sean jumped back on it. And um, we just decided to give it a shot. So every week we try and remain as technical as we can without being like the code review talk that I gave would not maybe would fit into a little bit of an episode. But like that's that tends to be a little more soft skill than we're looking at doing. Mm -hmm. um, so we try and stay pretty technical with our topics. And just like when we started, we, we would pick. The first episode we did was on Sandy Metz's rules, like the mm -hmm. five, four or five rules, I forget what it is, um, that lead to like better code. So that was our first episode and we knew exactly what we wanted to talk about. We didn't discuss it beforehand, but we knew like, okay, well, clearly we're going to go rule one, rule two, rule three, right? And we're going to talk about our experiences with them. And then we tried to do that for future episodes because I felt like that was a good crutch for us to have. Like we're going to like, I'm so nervous about not having something to talk about, right? And so we tried to do that where we have like a set topic every show and it, that lasted four or five episodes and then we were like we can't this is first of all it's too much work to try and pick a topic every week and then <laughs> second of all it makes us nervous about making sure we hit all the points because we don't like we're not gonna get a chance to revisit it or whatever the case is mm. so now we just sit down and we talk about what it was we were working on or if like one of us has like a topic that we'd really like to discuss we just discuss it mm -hmm. um so i think that's been going really well i think the idea of like doing a little less prep and a little more fly by the seat of your pants mm -hmm. and i think it works particularly well at thoughtbot because we rotate on to new things often right i'm struggling a little bit because i've been on my current project for like eight months now so like the stuff i want to talk about is basically the same right often. you're um, sick of talking about soa yeah right that's an soa project that we're kind of collapsing and i'm kind of tired of talking about how. collapsing in a good way into an application yes not collapsing like, into one application not collapsing into the ocean <laughs> yeah people hire us on to uh sink their applications Spin stuff down <laughs> Just drop this database. Yeah, so Whatever. it's been interesting to try and find our groove there, I think. And we're at episode 16, just went live. Um, we have started to mix in some guests on the show, and mm -hmm. we try really hard not to do interviews. And it's super hard, especially the first couple of guests. Like Pat Brisbane was the first guest who was at ThoughtBot at the time, and we talked about the book he wrote, maybe Haskell. And I found myself like, so, Pat, how did you get started? Like, uh -huh. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I'm doing the thing that I didn't want to do. Oh. Are you trying to avoid interviews because it's like this show? Basically? Because it's that show. Yeah, yeah, we already have that show. Yeah. Like, and Pat was on that show. And you <laughs> had that interview. We talked about maybe asking. Right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, you know, we try, like, we already have that show and I wanted to be, I wanted it to be a different show. Yeah. So we did a bunch of interviews. <laughs> we did a bunch of recordings uh -huh. with guests. Guest hosts is what I would uh, prefer to call them at RailsConf, and I think that those worked well. Um, we just kind of followed the person's lead about what they wanted to talk about, which is what you do as well, right? We just tried to keep Pretty it much. to yeah. have like a, a technical bend. Um, so it's been fun. I'm glad that thing exists because Giant Robots kind of started off like that. Like the very first episode is about love, Demeter. Yep. And was technical for a while and then kind of got a lot less technical over time. And it, it's kind of followed my career arc slash interests, I guess. Like, right, a lot of closure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> took on some closure, took on some Haskell, talked about business of software a lot now. Like we're like a lot, a lot more entrepreneurial types on, things like that. And that makes sense that so you have to talk about what's interesting to you at the current <laughs> totally. time. Totally. Right? And that's why we ditched like the whole, we had a whole backlog of topics that we wanted to cover. And we we're like, forget this. Like we have yeah. to talk about what we want to talk about totally. when, when we're ready to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, like it, this is episode 150. I never would have been able to do 
uh, three years of this if it had if I'd forced myself to stick to a format and like well no, we said it was gonna be technical so I'll have to think of some other you know acronym to break apart or something. I do think one of the interesting things um, that has come out from our desire to stay technical, and this is this is one of the more rewarding pieces of feedback I think we've gotten uh, since we did the show, is we had Sarah May on at RailsConf, and we didn't talk about diversity. Like not like that wasn't a topic. Like, hey, let's talk about diversity. It came up once in the context of like me thanking her for a blog post she wrote about preparing a conference proposal, mm-hmm. and that came up a little bit there, and. We just kept it technical. And afterwards, when she listened to the episode back, she was very like appreciative of like, hey, I got to go on somewhere and just be a programmer and yeah. not like a programmer who does really good diversity work. Hmm. So I really liked because I, I felt like that meant we were hitting our niche of what we wanted to be. Totally. Doing. So I don't know. A lot That's of people cool. have really interesting things to say beyond like the one thing they're known for. And mm-hmm. so um, we just try and keep it an open-ended technical discussion. Yeah. So this is great. This is good cross marketing for for bike shed. So if you've been listening to Giant Robots and frustrated with how untechnical <laughs> I am and how little I clearly know about programming, you can instead listen to Sean and Derek. Right, and I should you should listen to both. Like they are different <laughs> things, right? And that was the that was the goal. Mm-hmm. And like if you listen to other Thoughtbot podcasts in the in the past, like um, Build Phase is kind of more. That's our iOS podcast with um, Gordon and Mark, and that's kind of the style of our show which is like two people talking like they would talk but there are microphones in front of them mm-hmm. um so that's kind of the sh- the style we're doing and now kyle and retta are doing tentative which is the same kind of thing with a design spin on it right mm-hmm. they're looking at design stuff where did that name come from i don't know it's, it's I, don't, I don't understand it <laughs> tentative yeah tentative a podcast about design but we're not sure if we're gonna do it so. <laughs> I don't know. Definite a podcast about exactly. design. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So that's a good show too. I mean, there's just, I think that, that, I think that it makes sense as giant robots being like the face of the podcast family. And then they're like, I look at like build phase, bike shed and uh, tentative as like the children. Yeah. Right. We'll, and, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, at this point, giant robots is like the, the dinosaur that's like slowly lurching towards obscurity to I be supplanted so. by a more agile and younger. Uh, I don't think so. We'll see. We'll see. You never know. <laughs> Now that I've cross-marketed everyone off off your <laughs> podcast, they're gonna be unsubscribing like mad. Yeah, I, I wrote down as a possible note uh, of things we could talk about i18n, and it just looks like the most boring thing ever. Even just looking at it makes me want to. Yeah, uh, internationalization. Do you yeah. really want to talk about it? I, I really don't. Okay. Let's <laughs> Other than to say, the fact that there are multiple T helpers drives me bananas. <laughs> this is one of my. I keep beating that drum. So. IE10N, so there's IE10N, the library in, in Ruby. Here we go. We're going to talk about it. Yep. Uh, there's IE10N. I'm, I'm time boxing this, by the way. Okay, it's going to be quick. There's IE10N Ruby. You can call IE10N.translate or IE10N.t, and you're going to translate a key from your YAML file by default, right? And then in your views, you can call just T, mm-hmm. which is a Rails helper that wraps IE10N.t. It does a few extra things that people aren't necessarily aware of. Then inside your controllers, you can, call, you can also call T or translate. That is also a wrapper around ietn.translate, and it does different things. So there are three different ways you can translate text mm. in a Rails app, and there's... I am working on a patch to consolidate them, but it's tricky. Are you really? That'd be yeah. great. Yeah, I'm trying to get it. So there's ietn.t or ietn.translate, and then 
the rails translate helper which and right? t is always the same right yeah this is the, the I, that caught bit me so hard you know not too long ago i can't be the only one where mm-hmm. it's like why is t what how could this be i changed this thing which i thought was the same thing and now it's different i feel like that's one of my chief contributions to our code discussion rooms here it's like uh-huh. somebody's like this translate thing i'm like oh that helper's different yep exactly <laughs> like i just come in every few weeks and you should like, have oh, a, not- that a, a notification set for every time <laughs> someone says that <laughs> That's brutal. It's like it's like, and it's just that lack of consistency. It's like it's like do repeat yourself. There's many ways to do it, and they're all slightly different. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Let's not let's not do that. I'm not sure how that ended up that way, but I'm sure it are. was a group of well-meaning individuals who just yes. happened to kind of not miss the mark, maybe a little bit, like most <laughs> things, right? Like everyone was doing their best and trying to do well and right. trying to be good, but they, I don't know, sometimes things don't work that well. Mm-hmm. This reminds me, like I I become more tolerant of software that has problems in it. Like I used to be a snarkier person when I like would report bugs or like snark about things on Twitter and whatnot. And like now having run a software product for a long time, it's like everyone's really trying pretty hard and like no one is maliciously or intentionally making bad decisions or designing bad software or writing bugs. And so like try to be nice to people even when you're frustrated with their results. I think that's my usual position, but there are times when it's just like... It's hard. Like today, if if today you're using a website and you get like this website only works in Firefox or something like that, it's Mm -hmm. like those are the types of things that send me over like the... Come on, what are you talking about? Like I can just change my user agent and everything works fine. So I don't know what's going on here, but um, those types of things I think are just people are just lazy developer type things. And there's always going to be a certain subset of that. But I think you're correct that for the most part, empathy... (laughs) Yeah, is required. Yeah, um, on all ends. This is probably why I have a Twitter rule where I won't follow people that tweet like negative things about almost anything. Like I have very very low tolerance, so that's just because I'm trying to do it. I try to never do it myself. Like my personal rule is to try to never complain and tweet about anything. I don't always succeed, but usually pretty close. And also, I try to not follow people that do the same because it encourages me to look at the world through a negative lens. Yeah. Like once you start saying like single page web apps don't work, Sam Fitman, Sam. Um, or like you know Gary Bernhardt, it's just like there's certain people that just have this view of like software doesn't work, everything computers are broken. How oh god, oh it's the worst. And I'm just like ah, oh, you guys. I mean like I get it, but also like is, if you take that viewpoint and filter everything through that, you will always see the worst parts and be so frustrated and you will be so full of hate and rage. And I don't want to be that person. Yeah, I think that uh, is a good rule to try and like I remember I also try to not be complainy on Twitter again I don't always succeed mm-hmm. uh, most of my complaints tend to be about like my own knowledge so I think that's fair sure um, yeah. I think I remember one tweet where I was like I was so fed up with NPM where I was like I'm sure the people who made this were well-meaning smart individuals but this is terrible and that was like where I left it because I think that's basically my summation of that problem is like everybody means well here but the solution I just I, I, I don't appreciate the solution sorry and I didn't add anything to the conversation but it felt good yeah <laughs> right that's the that's the tempting part of it is it feels really satisfying to just blow off some steam by like shoving some vitriol out on the internet and get to tie it back to the code review right like Ex- that's the uh, same type of thing exactly like, when you are reviewing when you're in a situation where like the situation I'm in right now there are a lot of developers in another office that are in a different time zone that um, produce a lot of changes because there's a lot of them. So I come in and I do some code reviews in the morning. And if it's like the 10th time, I'm giving a same piece of feedback because like we're doing time shifted reviews here. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, maybe I'm giving the same piece of feedback twice to the same person, but I'm giving it to three different people. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it tends to get like I get that really frustrated, like, oh, like mm-hmm. feeling and I'm less nice. Yep. So trying to be more cognizant of that. 
Right. And like you said, in, in written communication, it's going to come off as negatively as possible. Yep. Like sometimes people will tweet stuff about Upcase or like put stuff in like a, a text box somewhere. And I'm just like, you, God, you're such a jerk. <laughs> and like they probably meant it as like kind of like slight teasing or like maybe slight frustration. But sometimes you're just in a certain mood and you're reading. You're like, oh, my God, you are the worst. I think also a lot of people tend to overestimate the size of things like that if you criticize Upcase or ThoughtBot or somebody like that, that it's just this company. And it's like, well, right. no, like Upcase has been and like maybe one or two other people at any given time yep. and like they're responsible for whatever it is you're complaining about probably and like they feel bad about it already so <laughs> like <laughs> just be nice yeah um and the same thing with thoughtbot like yeah we're a bigger company now but any given thing you're likely to complain about is probably maintained by one or two people right and they're gonna take that personally totally so we use intercom on upcase and they have like a custom text area thing going on so like it has some fanciness basically and so i guess it's not using a standard browser text area type thing they have their own magical something and i found some a bug in it the other day and i was frustrated because like this 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 should this is a solved problem right we just have text areas and like this i shouldn't i should be able to use control p and control n in a box and have it work and not like whatever Mm -hmm. and so like my initial thing was like this thing is super buggy blah 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 and like did some like you know nastiness like in their sort of message message to them Mm -hmm interface and then i went back and like deleted it it was like i may have found a bug or two over here i've recorded a gif of this with keycaster turned on so you can reproduce it you'll see the keystrokes i'm entering that cause the bug hopefully this helps and just you know realize like there's probably one person one man one woman who's like working on the custom text enter thing right mm-hmm. like that bug report probably went to a single person who would either read it as like wow you are such a jerk and you're like you ruined my morning or like oh hey cool this is a useful reproducible bug report like this is cool mm-hmm. I'm just trying to put more of the ladder out in the world. And I think it does really, it does help sometimes to write down that, like the (laughs) original thought and then be like, okay, I'm going to put this in a gist. I'm going to hit enter and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to write like, I'm going to write the way that it should be like the way I would want to read it if I were the person receiving this. Yeah. I I think I'm remembering this correctly and and I think it was based on reality, but like Abraham Lincoln, I guess was known for like writing really nasty letters to his detractors and then putting them in a drawer and never (laughs) sending them. I like, like that a lot. I think there is there's psychological like, getting it out, like actually take, like and then like making the sentence perfect and get it just really nasty and throw that barb in there right in the right way and then like okay and, and delete. I've actually done the same thing several times. Uh, it started when I was in high school and I would write letters to the editor of papers about things I was really angry about and uh-huh. then continued in college. And I would never actually send these letters because I'd be like, well, who am I? Nobody's going to listen to me. But it felt really good to write them. And I would write them in like, there would be like these sections of all caps. And then like, you know, my writing got better as I got older. Right. But uh, I would very rarely actually send these letters. And to the point now where like when I'm having a conversation with my wife and I'm really mad about some customer service experience that I've gotten, it's always like, I'm going to write a letter or like, I'm going to contact my congressman about this. And it's just like, that's enough for me to be like, I'm not actually going to do that. And it lightens the mood. And it's like, okay, well, what am I actually going to do about this? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to do business with them anymore or, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's it's weird how those psychological tricks work on us. Like, there's so many goofy things like that where I realize my brain is, like, really pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you want to plug any upcoming events that you're going to be attending or oh. speaking? So I'll be doing the code review talk that I gave at RailsConf. I'll be doing that, reprising that again at um, Austin on Rails, which is the Austin meetup. Uh, Ruby on Rails meetup on oh, nice. June 23rd. Interesting. Are you treating that like a conferency thing? Like I treat there? them all like conferency things. Yeah. Um, they're you know they get a good good audience down there. So that's that's something I feel like people don't take advantage of very often is that local meetups need speakers pretty desperately. 
Like if if there is say there's an Austin on Rails conference, they will probably get four proposals for every talk slot. But most local meetups that run every month will have like half a proposal per talk slot kind mm. of thing. You know, like it's way easier to speak at Boston RB than it is to speak at a Boston. Yeah, when RB. I spoke at Boston RB, there was a tweet that was like, it was like two weeks after Rails conference and they were like, we need speakers. And I was like, well, <laughs> I have a talk. Totally. And I am willing to do it. Yep. And it was funny because like during the conference, somebody was like, you know, it's really slow now. So like if, if you've ever wanted to give a talk, now's the time. And I was like, great. I feel fantastic about it. <laughs> you know? But yeah, if you're, if you're struggling to break into the conference circuit, I think it's a great way because you can get, often they'll take a video of it. So you can use that to like, say, hey, look at this video that I record, recorded. This is me speaking in front of people and doing a good job. Or, you know, it's a good way to do a sort of a somewhat less intimidating uh, first pass of a talk, things like that. Yeah. And like the RailsConf talk I did was probably a few hundred people or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so like getting this in front of more people is something I'm interested in and people have asked for like like I reached out to Boston RB but other people have asked like when I was talking to Caleb he was like why don't you come down to Austin I mean I work with Caleb so it's a little different yep. but um, also like Triangle Ruby has reached out to say if I want to go down there at some point and do nice. that um, some people have asked me to come into their like businesses and there's a certain size that I'm like okay I don't want to go into a room full of five people and give this talk that's a little weird mm-hmm. unless you're going to charge a lot of money for it <laughs> yeah that's what it is I mean, um, if there's a hundred people it's free if there's five people it's a thousand bucks person <laughs> Right. Um, but I just want to get more experience doing this. So uh, I'm open to all those things. So that's why I'm kind of reaching out. I've submitted to a couple different talks and, cool. and looking around for local user groups. Too. So if you're, uh, maybe there, there's your plug. Yeah. If you want to uh, reach out to me, you can email me at Derek at thoughtbot.com. And he'll come talk about code review. Yeah. Or, or, or anything else. Or ITN. ITN. <laughs> podcasting <laughs> accessibility that's what i'm looking at next so you know i don't know i don't know anything about it right now but uh i'd love to give a talk on it yeah uh chandra carney gave a talk on that that's where like yeah yeah <laughs> that's right i heard it so. cool today's show was produced and edited by tom obarski if you'd like to access the show notes for this episode you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 150 thanks for listening oh i didn't thank you for coming by that's all right thanks for coming by <laughs> thanks for having me thanks for walking down one floor and talking to me <laughs> Thank you.